All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live. It's Friday, October 14th. He is Daily Faceoff senior writer and managing editor Matt Larkin. Matt, how you doing? I'm good. It was nice to be at the rink last night in Toronto and you see leaves on the ground. It feels like October sports season is here. Feels nice. Yeah, speaking of October, got a little red October today. Just want to point out last week on the show, you said your Jays will be advancing further than my Phillies. Philly's still playing. Jays are mopping up their sorrows after that choke job, the ultimate choke job uh, with the lead in that game too. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to, a little humble brag, not going not gonna to hammer you too much on that. I just have to eat that one. One of the worst chokes I've ever seen. There's nothing that can be said. It's just a straight up choke job. What can I say? Yeah, that's that's true. Let's uh, Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's dive in with some opening week hockey talk and let's talk overreaction season let's have a little fun i mean this is the best part about the first week of the hockey season is everyone tries to jump to conclusions about this or that and tries to understand what's real what's fake and you you think about it and you go okay maybe the first two weeks of the season it can be an aberration but once you get a month in by large part nhl teams are what they are the window is actually kind of quite small when it comes to turning around your season as statistics have showed but give me your best overreaction to this point okay and keep in mind that is the disclaimer if you're watching it's an overreaction okay so watching the toronto maple leafs their first couple games 
I did not see a lot of urgency. I felt like I was watching them play the Coyotes in February, the dog days of winter. We have Sheldon Keefe calling out the team. He was not happy that he had to do it. He called out the, the troops after one game, and there was a lot of loafing on defense with Jake Muzzin on that winning goal from Josh Anderson. I know the Leafs, they bounce back, they win, but they had to grind in that game, their home opener. They got physically manhandled, took a bunch of massive hits from the Washington Capitals, and Keefe even commented on that after the game. I'm just seeing a team to me, and I tweeted it, I'm getting wake me when it's April vibes from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I understand this is a team that really doesn't have much left to do in the regular season. And I think they just, they look like a team that wants to get to April and finally get through and win that playoff series. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I, I just don't know that it's reality because no one is gifting them a spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's not how it works in this league. It's way harder to make the playoffs than it ever has been. You think about the threshold just in terms of sheer points in order to get in. You know, you had to be basically a hundred point team in the East last year in order to make that happen. So um, I don't, I don't know that that's their thought process. I just wonder, like with the training camp they went through too, a bunch of guys missed a lot of time due to injury. How much of that has been a factor in their start of the year? Yeah, that is certainly a more logical explanation, especially for Muzzin, who's looked pretty slow, but obviously he had the back problem in training camp too. But at the same time, I'm still confident this team makes the playoffs. You're fresh off a 54-win season, 115 points. You have the reigning Hart Trophy winner. You're regularly near the top of the league in all offensive categories, best power play in the league last year. And if you look at the other big dogs in the Atlantic Division, a lot of them, I think, got worse on paper, and they lost more pieces than I think the Toronto Maple Leafs did, with Jack Campbell being the most notable one, Ilya Mikheyev as well. But overall... I'm not too worried about the team making the playoffs, and I don't think they are as well. I think it's just hard to focus on 82 games when you know your fan base doesn't really care about the regular season anymore. They want to fast forward to the playoffs and find out if you can finally win that series. Yeah, don't be alarmed. This is the overreaction. I don't think the Leafs have anything to worry about at all. Uh, when it comes to the Minnesota Wild, that was my sort of overreaction that I've enjoyed watching the most after their 7-3 loss to the New York Rangers. On Thursday, it was like the sky is falling. Like, hold on a second here. First game of the year. Calm down. Marc-Andre Fleury probably not going to give up seven again. Matt Boldy had a good night to start. Let's, uh, let's turn the page to game two if you're a Minnesota Wild fan. Uh, speaking of some interesting opening nights, some big debuts, you know, early returns, we'll call them, Matt, uh, Matt on the Matthew Kachuk uh, trade to the Florida Panthers, Jonathan Huberto picking up points in Calgary, the Flames, they roll the Colorado Avalanche. And look at these two guys head-to-head. -head. Huberto picks up a nice assist. Uh, Kachuk gets the empty netter to ice the win for the Panthers over the New York Islanders. He plays almost 23 minutes a night as a forward, which is pretty impressive in terms of his uh, his usage. What do you make of the early returns on this trade? I'm particularly impressed by Matthew Kachuk. You saw that ice time is just eye-popping. And what really stood out to me, he did it on a line with Sam Bennett and Rudolph Spalser. It's not like he's playing with Alexander Barkov on night one. And that was the big question because Florida got a lot shallower their lineup in the offseason. Can Matthew Kachuk drive his own line and be a superstar without an elite line mate like he had in Calgary with Johnny Gaudreau? I think that's exactly what he looked like in game one. He had 15 shot attempts, I believe, if that stat is correct, in game one. That is a dominant player. That's a play driver. Jonathan Ubudo, very nice setup, of course, on the power play as well. But five on five, his line actually got beat outplayed. I think the shot attempt percentage was 37%. So I give the edge night one to Matthew Kachuk. 
Don't sleep on Sam Bennett as we took a, a, a shot of those lines. And that could be a really difficult duo uh, if those two guys end up on the same line for the bulk of the year, Kachuk and Bennett, because we had our daily face-off archetype rankings go today with power forwards. And Kachuk is in a different category. You see his game one uh, with the Florida Panthers after signing that massive extension this summer. And to me, he's a guy that is one of the 17 franchise players in the league. He's in his own bucket. And Sam Bennett, I was a little surprised to work through the numbers. When you think of power forward, it's not necessarily about you know muscle and big and brawn anymore. Um, it's not about brute force. It's about can you control the puck? Can you be the guy that's the the transportation wizard, the mule that gets the puck you know from your end to the other end, and then once you're there to the net? And Sam Bennett, really elite in not just zone exit carries but also zone entry carries and also inner uh, slots from the inner shot slot excuse me if i could get that out uh all that data powered by stathletes so uh that part five of our series ran on friday today on dailyfaceoff.com and you look at it matt and you're like huh maybe there's something going on there between those two guys loading up a pretty difficult line to play against for sure. And Kachuk even mentioned that when he was at the player media tour, he singled out Sam Bennett as someone who he'd followed, of course, former teammate in Calgary. And he was impressed with what he'd seen the last couple of seasons from Bennett. And Bennett compared to Doug Gilmore in his draft year, right? Coming out of Kingston, had that killer instinct, not the biggest guy on the ice, but he's feisty out there. I liked Paul Maurice's quote after the game. He realized that this is a very funny bench to be on. So curious to see uh, if we could get some of those guys on the cats mic'd up at a certain point. And we'll talk cats a little bit later on with George Richards as well. Uh, let's talk Mason Marchment, formerly of the Florida Panthers. He has makes his debut with the Dallas Stars. Nets two goals, including this highlight reel play that came all the way from his own end, goes through not just any defenseman, but the reigning Norris Trophy winner in Roman Yossi here. You watch it, whoop, there's Yossi, and then goes bar down on UC Saros. Uh, so you, you look at that and you go, wow, that's a pretty strong debut for Mason Marchman. And, and maybe when you're looking at it, you go, huh, what, what, it, what, what do the stars have in this guy? You know, that, I think that was the curious part, uh, leaving the Florida Panthers just such a small sample size. He hits... Uh, UFA quickly uh, because he's a sort of prototypical late bloomer. Last year, 47 points in 54 games. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, what is he? Is that an impact of playing with the guys in the Panthers and the talent that they have there? Or is this someone that can carry his own weight in the NHL? The stars take a chance on Marchment. Obviously a tough summer for him and his family. His dad tragically passing away at the NHL draft. And you go, well, how's that going to impact him potentially on the ice? Really cool story to see him off to a good start. It really is. And to me, when the Stars signed him, I sort of labeled him in my mind the boom-bust edition of the offseason because if you look at his pedigree undrafted, his career high in goals in major junior was only 20. And you have him so dominant last year in five-on-five, five, the numbers, points per 60. There were 600 players who played at least 500 minutes. The only people with more points per game than Mason Marchment last year were Johnny Gaudreau and Mitch Marner. So what are you getting when you sign him? Four and a half million dollars. What's exciting about that AAV, it's not that expensive to find out. You only really need him to be a good middle six forward at that price for four years. And the potential is huge. And I'm wondering, they're not the same player. I want to be clear on that. But you look at the late career bloom of Marty St. Louis, someone who mid to late 20s suddenly got a chance and became a frontline player. And I'm wondering if we could see that type of career progression from Mason Marchman. 
boom or bust i think that's such a great way to frame mason marchman and so far two games uh, one game in two goals certainly feels like a boom for the dallas stars and they could use it too as they continue that transition we saw jason robertson and his line rupa hints sort of take over that team uh it was the maybe official passing of the baton uh from the tyler sagan and 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 uh, jamie ben team to those younger guys. And if Marchman can be part of that group that helps carry the ball forward for the Dallas Stars, that would be a huge addition. Uh, interesting game uh, over the weekend here as we move closer to uh, some Friday night action, and that is Brent Burns of the Carolina Hurricanes returning to the Shark Tank, uh, this time as a member of the Canes. First time back for Brent Burns since his offseason trade. Gotta tell you, I feel like we're seeing a rejuvenated Brent Burns. You heard Rod Brindamore talk before uh, the season started in our Metropolitan Division preview. He said, I wish we had Brent Burns 10 years ago. And he said he's looked that good in camp. What I like is the energy from Brent Burns. The camera kept panning in the other night after the Canes won of their storm surge. And it kept going right into Brent Burns. And he was like a kid in a candy store, enjoying that environment, change of pace, team that's competitive, Stanley Cup aspirations. You leave San Jose where they basically spent three years in lottery territory. And it feels like it's given him and the team a bit of a shot in the arm in Carolina. I totally agree. And what an amazing culture fit because we know Brent Burns Chewbacca. He's got that playful personality and the storm surge. It embodies everything that he's about. And I kind of think, wow, I, I can't believe I didn't think of this as a fun fit before as well. And even from a hockey standpoint, the Canes, of course, have some of the most defensively responsible players in the league, especially on defense. Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci. That's a great fit as well for Brent Burns because we know he likes to freewheel. He's a big guy, but his game is offense. It's not defense. And when you have other guys that can take care of the defensive responsibility, you allow Burns to sort of be unleashed. And I still think he can move the puck. I still think he can be a really useful power play guy. And I like the fit. I'm also wondering if there's a chance for him to win a Stanley Cup, that could put him into Hall of Fame territory. You have two first-team All-Star selections. You have a Norris Trophy. You basically have Doug Wilson's career so far. He's in the Hall of Fame. So Burns, close to 800 points. You get a cup in Carolina. Maybe that's a Hall of Fame resume. Yeah, a few seasons as well, knocking on the door of 30 goals as a defenseman. Just the type of production that until we started seeing it from guys like him and Carlson maybe eight years ago, it was like this is these are unheard of numbers for a defenseman for a long time, really since the early 90s. So uh, Brent Burns, I, one thing I noticed as I've gone through this Archetypes project that I mentioned, and I got a chance to really dive into some third-party data that we haven't seen publicly before. One thing I noticed going through all these different rankings is – the Carolina Hurricanes players, no shock at all, given their analytic bent, fare very well in these categories. And I look back at Brent Burns and where he stacked up among not just forwards, but also defensemen. One key category stood out. He had like 200 more shot attempts that made it through to the net than almost any other defenseman, like head and shoulders above. And I could see that as a reason why the Carolina Hurricanes wanted to target a player like him, thinking that maybe playing on a bad team for the last number of years has a lot more to give. Can't wait to see that unfold and his return to the Shark Tank. Let's talk Florida Panthers for an edition of the All-32 with George Richards. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. That's right. This is the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. And we're pleased to welcome in George Richards from Florida Hockey Now. You can follow him on Twitter. You should already be doing so. His username is at George Richards, a real tough one to remember. George, welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. And really just want to start with a vibe check. What's it been like for a team that won the President's Trophy 122 points last year? Off-season, major changes, fire your coach, essentially, uh, bring in a new one. And what's it been like sort of going through training camp with this new team? Yeah, we thought it was going to be a quiet off-season here in uh, South Florida. You, know, you figure you got to you know, get an extension to Jonathan Huberto, maybe one for uh, Mackenzie Weger. And um, they were very quiet at uh, you know on free agency day because they didn't have any cap space. And then, boom, they, uh, the late-night news dump with uh, – the big trade to Calgary. Um, it, it, it's been different here in South Florida this year um, just because there was such disappointment with the way last year ended. As much fun as this team had during the regular season and really got South Florida um, on its feet watching this team, um, the way it ended with just such a thud, three goals in four games against the Lightning in that second round sweep really, um, really changed the way uh, the, the, the Panthers front office looked at this team and the makeup of it. George, I wanted to ask you about the goaltending situation. Spencer Knight, of course, great rookie season. Last year, of course, he gets sent down, but he has a really strong finish, rookie of the month in April, and then he gets the contract. A little bit of projection there, four and a half million on the deal by the time it kicks in. And to me, that's at worst 1B money. So I'm curious for you, how do you see the sort of pie chart breaking down between him and Sergei Bobrovsky? If you were to give me a percentage of starts that Spencer Knight makes for the team this year. I think it'll be more than last year. And I think that's why Spencer Knight went to Charlotte last year because he just wasn't getting any starts. I think it was seven out of eight, eight starts were going to Sergei Bobrovsky because he was that good. He demanded the net. Um, he came in like a guy who did not want to give up his job. Um, look, you know, Spencer Knight, probably the first threat to his job since he was in Philadelphia. You know, nobody really challenged him in Columbus or even in Florida with Chris Dreiger. It just, there wasn't anything there um, to, to challenge Bob, but Spencer Knight, definitely a challenger. Um, the way I think it'll break down is, you know, maybe, you know, three out of every five will be Bob. I think tomorrow the Florida Panthers are, are playing at Buffalo one o'clock start. I, I, I would bet that Spencer Knight gets that start. Um, and then Bob on Monday against uh, the Bruins. But I, I think the Florida Panthers are going to give Spencer Knight more early starts 
regardless of how Sergei Bobrovsky plays the night before, um, just because they, they don't want him getting rusty like that, what happened last year, because when Spencer Knight did get the opportunity to play in the first half of the season, um, you could see that there was a lot of rust there and he didn't perform very well. He goes to Charlotte, plays every night, gets back on track, and 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 you saw what happened in the second half of the year. So um, I do think Florida splits it up a little bit more. As far as percentage goes, 65, 30, I, I, yeah, 70, 30, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no doubt the Florida Panthers are expecting big things from Spencer Knight in the future, George, with that contract. Um, just give me, a, a you know, an overall 30,000-foot view. We've debated this answer a million times with the Calgary Flames. Are they better, worse, or the same? I want to flip that to the Florida Panthers. This year, mm. you know, probably not going to get to the 122-point mark again. That team cruised. But are, is there a chance that they're better? Are they worse, or are they the same? I think Florida's better in the long term. I think that we said it when it happened, uh, when the trade happened, the first thought was Florida is worse off today than they are um, before. I mean, because you can't just give up, um, you know, a guy who had a career year in Jonathan Huberto, your first pairing defenseman in, in Mackenzie Weger. Um, those are those are two big losses. Yes, I get how good Matthew Kachuk is, but you're still losing a very good defenseman who was on a team-friendly contract. Um, that said, moving forward, Florida Panthers are in much better shape. Um, you, you know, you, you, you take this year, you see what happens. Um, this team's going to be in contention, but they're in cap, salary cap hell. Um, everybody knows that. They're not going to be a player at the trade deadline unless something crazy happens like Sergei Bobrovsky goes on LTIR and all of a sudden you got all that money to, to, to be able to make some deals. Um, so th this will be a transition year for the Panthers, but next year um, when the cap eases up, uh, they don't have that uh, Keith Yandel cap hit hanging over their head. I think the Panthers will be looking good. I think this really extended the window for Florida. Um, you know, when we were talking about their opportunity to, to win it all, be contenders to win it all, I think we were looking at a two, three-year window the way things were. Now you're looking, um, you know, six, you know, five, six, seven years because you've got Keith, I mean, Matthew Kachuk, he's in the prime of his career with an eight-year deal um, and instead of being backed into a corner and giving that to Jonathan Huberto. And then probably losing Mackenzie Weger anyway because you couldn't probably sign both of them. Yeah, you can certainly look at the cap picture and understand why the Panthers made the moves that they did. I think a lot of people would look back and see the trades that Bill Zito made at the deadline and say maybe they were a little over-aggressive and this team's in trouble now for the future in terms of uh, the picks that they've lost, and that could certainly be true. But, George, on this show, you're never going to find me faulting someone that takes the bat off their shoulder and swings. Uh, thanks so much to, for you joining us today on the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo code there at the bottom of your screen, Game Day 20. George, that gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks a lot, George. Have a great year. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right, Matt, time for our Daily Faceoff inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your questions. And today's is the first Battle of Alberta on Saturday night. Shoot it into my veins, the first of two over the next three Saturday nights. And the question for you is over under one and a half fights to open up the season in the BOA. 
I'm going to kick a little bit of sand on the campfire. I'm going to say under. If you look at the matchup last year, if my research is right, these two teams met nine times, including the playoffs, and there were no fights. There were a bunch of roughing calls. Of course, it was a physical series in the playoffs, but I see no fights on the card that I can remember. And you also look at who's the heavyweight in Edmonton now. Zach Cashin is out of town. Is it Darnell Nurse? Is it Evander Kane? Obviously, they're asked to do a lot more than throw hands on that team. That said, I'm wondering if we'll get one fight because there is a revenge narrative coming into play tonight. Nazem Kadri was not a Calgary Flame during the playoffs last year, but he had his thumb broken by Evander Kane. So I'm wondering if maybe it's Milan Lucic who wants to carry out justice, but if there's some sort of retribution narrative coming into play. So I'm going to say one fight, but just one. I forgot about Kane breaking Kadri's thumb. But I was thinking Kadri might fight anyway to try and put his stamp on, you know, newcomer into the Battle of Alberta, someone obviously that's going to bring an edge to this Calgary team. And the the reason why I'm going to say under is is also that there's not a lot of carryover hate from the fact that, yeah, this team uh, fell out in five short games to the Oilers last year, but it's kind of a new team. It's a new core. Um, I wonder if they're going to try and, you know, maybe wade their way into this, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Kadri drop the gloves, but that leaves us at one, unless there's some spontaneous combustion after that, I'm going to take the under. That brings us to our daily face-off daily bet segment brought to you by PointsBet. Yeah, uh, Frank, yesterday didn't go that well for me. Um, It was pretty ugly, so I have a list here. Um, I lost the over-under because Craig Anderson was really good, but I'm not going to have beef with him because it's impressive that a 41-year-old can still do that at the NHL level. I'll forgive Claude Giroux, first game is a sin. I don't know, maybe he was nervous, but I will not forgive any Vegas Golden Knights player who touched the (laughs) ice with the empty net. Every single one of them are dead to me. They had like two and a half minutes. They had like three shots at the empty net, and they missed them. They all hit the side of the cage. It's embarrassing. All of them should be sent to Henderson. They should all be sent to the minors. Mark Stone included in that. He missed a wide open one that I'm just livid about. Anyways, I'll turn the page. I'll look to win some money tonight. So let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet Canada. I am sticking with my plan of betting. He's in Earlier in the week, I did a Toronto-Edmonton parlay. It didn't go that well because Toronto lost. But I like Tampa Bay and I like Carolina. The Brent Burns return game, I think they're going to show up for him. Freddie Anderson should get the start, although it's not confirmed yet. James Reimer going for the Sharks doesn't really concern me. Daniil Tarasov is going for the Blue Jackets, so I really like the Lightning at minus 216. Combine those, you're getting about a plus 130 payout, so why not? A little Carolina-Tampa Bay parlay. I'm also going to sprinkle in a Braden Point assist which you can get at about plus 140. And also, Frank, you talked about Brent Burns earlier in the show and how many shots he gets through. His over-under, two and a half is what I've seen it at. So I'm hammering Brent Burns. Two and a half shots on goal. So that, a point assist, and the Carolina-Tampa parlay. That's what I'm on on a nice Friday night. Big card, and Tyler's going to get back at the game after an 0 for 3 Thursday night. Uh, follow Tyler's bets all season long with our points bet daily bets here on Daily Faceoff Live. Thank you to Tyler. Have yourself a nice weekend, sir. And that brings us to garbage time with Matt Larkin. Matt, what have you noticed from around opening week in the NHL? Well, I'm a little concerned with the handling of Shane Wright. And especially if you look at the way Seattle Kraken GM Ron Francis spoke in the preseason, he went out of his way to make these comments. No one forced him to say, I expect Shane Wright to be with the team all year. But he pretty much said that. He created those expectations. And what do we see? The first two games for Shane Wright as a Kraken 
One game, he plays six minutes and 14 seconds. The next game, he doesn't play. He's a healthy scratch. So I want to ask, Frank, what are we doing here? I know he can get his nine-game trial in, but when you're when you're in the lineup, when you're with the team, what's the point of having him stay with the team and not sending him to Major Junior? If you're not going to use him, you're just going to hurt his confidence. And the thing about the nine games, if he's not playing every one of those nine games, you're dragging out that trial. You're keeping him with the team longer, and he's not getting a big opportunity. The Kingston Frontenacs, their schedule has started. They're four games into that season. He even said the night he was drafted, he was not happy with his play in Major Junior last year. He has an opportunity to better it. I'm okay with sending him down. But if you have him up, use him. This is pointless. Yeah, I could see that and be curious to see how long this sort of nine game audition drags out. Like, I don't see why you just sign up right now immediately and say, we're going to be keeping this guy all season long. See how it goes, see how it unfolds. Clearly at this point, Dave Haxtell, given the ice time and the healthy scratch, doesn't think that he is a full-time NHL player or ready for that level just yet. And we've seen it time and time again, Matt. The NHL, not a developmental league. There's the AHL for that and Major Junior, of course. Wanted to mention quickly two intriguing healthy scratches that caught my eye this week. Philip Zadina is one for the Detroit Red Wings in their first game of the season on Friday night. And the other one was from Thursday night in Sean Dersey of the Los Angeles Kings on their blue line was a healthy scratch for his turnover that was made in their first game of the season. Just two little intriguing names to throw out there as names to potentially keep an eye on. Zadina was on our trade targets board last season. Wouldn't be shocked to see that name continue to percolate. Until then, that'll do it for Daily Faceoff Live this Friday edition. Thanks to Tyler Remchuk, Matt Larkin, our head of production, Alex Allard, and Brendan Bradley on graphics. Everyone behind the scenes who makes this work at dailyfaceoff.com. Head over there for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. We'll be back on Monday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great weekend, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, 
you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.